Welcome to Two Ages in the Facts, where University of Georgia's Family Consumer Science agents, Leslie Weaver-Thomas of Chatham County and Carrie Vandiver of Ware County, host friendly discussions on reliable, relatable, research-based topics on real-life issues. Hey, Leslie. Hi, Carrie. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Great. Are you ready for today's topic? Sure. Okay, so I'm going to start off with a very interesting conversation that everyone can relate to working with the generations in the workplace. Does that make sense to you? I suppose. I'm a millennial. I don't know why anyone needs to work with anyone but me, but. Right. So often in the workplace, we have so many different uh, people from places and cultures. Uh, but one thing that sometimes we overlook is generations, right? Everyone works different due to certain to the way they were raised or the or the generation that they came out of. So there's Generation Z's, right? And this is a range people who were born from 1997 to 2012, mm-hmm. right? Um, and these people are raised on the digital wave. Um, They may have smartphones and other devices. They believe that's very essential, right? So these are the people that they want you to email them, text them, do all, send them a a bird in the sky, but just don't call them, right? Uh, (laughs) We rather Zoom instead of meet face-to-face. You know, it's this digital, digitalized uh, generation, right? Um, they're compared to previous generations that they could be more focused and on the essence of a person, funny, witty, smart, uh, versus issues like a race and ethnicity. I can't say it today. Um, due in large parts of how technology has shaped their relationships. So, you know, they're all about the person and how someone feels and they want them to feel good. And, you know, very, I guess you could say maybe the new generation hippie. Is that fair to say? So um, I don't really know, you know, these are all fairly true, but we do need to recognize that all of this is broad, right? It's not, we can't label everyone in this generation exactly like it's a, it's a good general term, right? For ways to sort well, of and that's, and that's what they say. And so a few tips for like managing a generation Z. So if you have um, ever, if you ever get in the contact that you're going to have to manage these kids some of them are already in the workforce you know their first jobs ever not so managing kids, them. they're not kids again. they're not kids they're adults okay young adult <laughs> my apologies <laughs> right because we don't want anyone to call us kids i get it okay see, i'm i'm the other generation here we go so, so, so when you are managing these young adults we want to be sure that we give job descriptions that they're clear we make the job descriptions very clear. We give very clear and concise directions. We want to lead by example. So if we're asking you to do something, uh, don't ask someone something that you're not willing to do or um, set a standard for them that you're not upholding for yourself. Um, pair them with buddies, right? Make a personal connection. Like I said, they care about the essence of a person. So they probably work really well in groups um, and uh, think they're parents. <laughs> Right. That's a, a cool tip to say, hey, you know, parents did a decent job with you. Like, you know, we can we can really have you hanging around here. <laughs> Encourage them, tip. right? 
<laughs> it's a tip, right? Always give some type of encouragement, all right? So second, one of the best generations, millennials, okay? <laughs> one of the best, yes. One of the best generations, right? Um, we were born from 1980 to 1996, right? Good times, I'll say. Yeah. Don't you think? Uh, we are also called the enlightened ones. I agree. Mm -hmm. uh, we are the largest generation to be currently in the workforce. Uh, millennials, uh, we started working during the recession. Many started working during the recession. True, some of us got to college around then, mm -hmm. um, uh, which was very effective in how we view our long-term careers. I can honestly say a lot of my friends, they like they talk about like, okay, when we turn 56, 58, we're retiring. And then after that, this is our next plan, right? So they think about long-term careers and how they can get through one and kind of probably start another one. Uh, they grew up in the internet rev rev revolution. Um, and they are more comfortable communicating digitally than previous generations, which is very true. Um, one of the great ways when you're managing millennials, um, here are some tips. Give feedback in the big picture, right? Give them the whole picture, give them the idea, but give, give feedback. Uh, create opportunities to bond. Uh, a job is like a family-like atmosphere. So uh, clearly we are very into the framing of uh, human resource and buying into the human person. So make that community uh, feel if you're working with those millennials, right? Check their rules. We're always going to ask, why do we have to apply? Like, why do we have to do that? Like, well, we have this rule, but it's not really effective. So why do we have it, right? We're going to ask those questions. Uh, teleworking and flex time. Millennials believe in this. Yes. <laughs> yes. We believe in these things, right? We heard a truer statement. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I have a motto. I feel like, hey, we're not coal miners. Like, it's right. okay to get to get out. <laughs> I believe that, right? Uh, interact often. Talk to them every day. Um, millennials, they want to know, like, hey, how's it going? What's going on? You know, let's have a game plan. You may, if you have a, a staff of millennials, you may want to have a morning meeting with them and just kind of go over things. Uh, tell them why. Um, begin with the end in mind. Okay. So explain to them, okay, if you want to explain that we have a goal, set the goal, and then explain to them how we're going to get there and why that's important. Praise and correct, the, correct them correctly. As a millennial, I will agree. I believe in affirmations and positivity, and I would like to know if I'm doing something correct. Mm -hmm. That's only going to know, motivate me to do more, okay? All right. Generation X, okay? Generation X, they were born from 1965 through 1980. I'm married okay. to one of these. Are you married to one of those? Mm -hmm. Really? Mm -hmm. They are the latch, the latch key kids. Mm -hmm. My sister is a latch key child. Squeezed between the baby boomers and the millennials, Generation Xers were shaped by the evolution of personal computers and generally more educated than the previous generation. I think that's true. You know, you have more opportunities. Things were arising. They had a little more exposure right. um, before the previous education. I mean, generation. So, so when we're when we are um, managing a generation Xer, and that can I, can I apply this in my home life? Was yeah, let's like, see if this works. Let's okay. see if this works, right? Okay. So we're managing a generation Xer at work or at home between the ages of fifty-seven <laughs> and forty-two. Here's some tips that you may want to look at. They're independent workers. Don't hover around them, okay? They're independent workers, right? Let them do their own thing. Um, give individual recognition, okay? Affirmations. They want to know they're doing a good job too. 
merit-based promotion, okay? So they believe in, hey, if I'm doing the work, I deserve the raise. If I'm doing the work and the whole team gets the raise, I don't know about that, right? So merit-based promotion. So they, they, like, they like to work hard for their money or for their accolades. Um, they like perks and they like raises, right? Um, support lifestyle and family and their flexibility. So they're kind of like us with the millennial thing, you know? Mm -hmm. They want the flex time. They want that sense of uh, buy-in for family and community. Help them get ready for advancement and career fo focus. You want to prepare them, feed into them, give them all the good secrets. Let them know before we had scanners and we used the fax machine, let me tell you how this worked, right? <laughs> or before uh, you could send a, a question or response from an email, you had to go downtown and talk to Earl in the office, <laughs> let them know, you know? And this is what you need to say. Give them the tips because... Oh, here's Before another you one. retire, this, make sure the, the people below you understand all the things. Regardless of the generation, please. Right. And how you don't maybe understand them. Yeah. And yeah. here's another one. It says, uh, Generation Xers, get rid of stupid rules. They're just not here for it. They're not even, they're not, if it doesn't make sense to them, they're not, they're not interested. Okay. Could you agree yeah, with that? I call, call them grumpy. <laughs> That's not fair. But, the, you know, they're, you know how they are. They're, they're, well, it's they're either, grungy. They're from. <laughs> They're from a certain I get it. time. I get it. They they from a certain time. <laughs> a lot of they gap say, and flannel and you know right, Nirvana. Right, <laughs> right, right, right. Well, you know, think about their 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 movies. Uh, my sister's favorite movie was Billie Jean. Fair is fair. You know, so think uh -huh. about that era of movies. Yeah, First, my movie was The Goonies. <laughs> so. <laughs> But Leslie, you and I are kind of on the edge there, though, because I think most millennials would not say my movie was the Goonies. <laughs> We're closer. We're real. Well, because closer. I had a latchkey sister. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> I, I had to kind of teeter top a tweed. <laughs> so again, it says get rid of stupid rules and or be prepared to explain them. You know, they want an explanation. Like they want to know, well, why do you feel that way? What do you, you got to be, you got to be ready to back it up, right? Um, mentor them on communication and office politics. Just like I said, our boomers, make sure we're passing this information along, right? Let us know how it really goes, okay? And the boomers, baby boomers, okay? Uh, they are born after World War II, through 1964. Baby boomers have long been known for their strong work ethic and their uh, goal tendencies. They tend to be hardworking and value face-to-face -face interaction, right? Uh, they didn't grow up using computers, although they will use technology to get job-related functions. My parents are baby boomers, so their work ethic has trickled down to me, right? You go to work, if you're not sick, you go to work, you don't take vacation, <laughs> unless it's like the summer or maybe spring break, but not too long, you know, you get the job done. That's um, just not, that's not healthy. <laughs> <laughs> but the, these are the, the drastic difference. Yes. I'm pretty sure my parents don't understand flex time, right? <laughs> or, or, or working from home. During COVID, my dad was like, you got a door on your office, right? Just go and close the door. Like, why? It won't let you in. Like, <laughs> do you see what I'm saying uh -huh. there's a difference right and that is something to be appreciated when you're managing boomers 77 to 58 here a few tips don't ignore them don't think that because they're older they have no idea what you're talking what you're talking about you're absolutely wrong right they know secrets they know um, information they know things that you 
cannot even imagine. Do not ignore them. Um, make them your mentors. If they want to be, they may not even want to be bothered with you, That's but true. ask them, <laughs> right? Ask them, talk <laughs> to them, ask them for advice, play, play some um, information or some suggestions off of them. See what they will say. How Don't they act like all the things that they have done before you is not important. Listen, they're the have, reason you're here today. They're the reason absolutely. you've got all the things you have, right? We are standing on their shoulders, right? Mm-hmm. Standing on the shoulders of giants. Mm-hmm. And also, I have another saying that I believe classics never die. Facts. So, <laughs> so awesome. You need to know, all right? Ask for continuing contributions. Okay, can I, can, I, can I run this by you for a second? Does this make sense to you? If you were in the situation, how would you handle it, right? You can mix some of the, the old ideas with the new ideas and see what works, right? Don't give up on them. Deal with the resistance. They may be kind of standoffish at first because just the way you're thinking, oh, uh, their information may not be any good for me. They don't want to deal with you either, right? Get back, Generation Xer. <laughs> like, move it, Z. You know, they're not really interested. <laughs> So work with them, right? Um, And when you're working with them and they're giving you that pushback, address the negative behavior. Um, According to this, boomers uh, appreciate you being honest with them and being direct and saying, hey, I didn't really like the way you spoke to me. We're on a team. We want to work together. They're going to appreciate that. They're not going to be like a millennial, be uncomfortable about it. They're going to take it head on, right? Nothing scares them. (laughs) So as long as you come with them with respect um, and... um, you know, and, and politeness and just say, hey, I was a little uncomfortable. I think they'll appreciate that. Okay. Um, the generation gap in the workplace is broadly speaking, the difference in behavior and outlook between groups of people who are born distinctly different times in each generation grows up in a different context. And as a result, may have different work expectations. So for example, I can use a professional attire because I was raised by a baby boomer. I can recall my mother getting fully dressed every day for work. I mean, suits, slips, three piece, a full face of makeup, right? Completely dressed. Burst someone from my millennial standpoint or maybe from a generation um, Z. Why can't we wear jeans and a sweatshirt to the office? Does that make sense? Yeah, but you know, this is true. But this again is one of those, this is very, You do say that. It's very broadly spoken, but I do know some baby boomers who also would prefer to wear jeans and a sweatshirt to the office. They would prefer it, but would they do it? Yeah. Well, maybe not now, but yeah. Now, yeah, now because we've made it more commonplace yes yeah. now because you've mixed up the office with all these yeah. other exers and boomers and the exers and they're like okay i'm gonna do what the kids do yeah right yeah okay but at one point when there were just boomers in the office that's true with okay boomers in the office with now to um, yeah 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 with this with the silent generation or with the lost generation they weren't in there wearing sweatpants and and t-shirts or jeans never so there's difference. Or here's another good example. How about um, a Generation Z may feel like, well, why do we have to have a meeting face-to-face, like a, a morning meeting? Why can't you just text me and tell me what we need to do? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Or even when re- meeting with other agencies and things, they may send an email or they may say, just send an email for details instead of versus a boomer or millennial, a millennial or even um, a Generation um, Xer may want to go to the agency and check it out themselves. For a Generation Z, they'll look online and see how it goes. Yeah. They had a good website, so 
that'll work. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? There is a difference, isn't there? Yeah. Okay. Um, for instance, members of the silent generation, the silent generation will be those who were born in 1925 through 1942. They are typically depicted as a very physical conservative. They're going to save a more, a better dollar, right? Because times are different back then, right? They're going to save. They're not going to buy as much. They're going to be more conservative. While boomers may show more liberal physical tendencies, they're going to spend a little more. Uh, Generation Zers are heavily um, tech, reli um, tech reliable and comfortable using social media platforms. And while gener older generations may um, prefer another form of communication. So all these things show some form of, of different level of habits and um, preference. What do you think the issues would be for generation gaps? My office currently is fairly close together. <laughs> we're not all, we're not spread, you know, so much. I mean, we are, there are different generations, but they're, they're you know, we're millennials, mm -hmm. Gen X, millennial, Gen, what's under millennial? What'd you say? Gen Z's? Gen Z. So we're all right there. Doo, doo, doo. Okay. So I'm trying to think of like maybe something in our office that I could use as an example, but I, I can't because honestly, some of the tendencies that I have as a millennial, I would think that my two younger folks would have even more so like these, like wanting to do more flex time, wanting to work from home more, wanting to do da, 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 but they don't, I'm the one <laughs> who wants that more. Is this preaching to the choir? Like, the older generation. Is this preaching to the choir, Carrie? Like, I don't know. <laughs> They're not fitting this, what you're telling me here. I mean, they are with other, okay. but not with that particular thing. So I don't know. Tell me some of the issues, Leslie, that we need to look out for. Well, according to this, the problems in managing generational gaps in the workplace can arise from misunderstanding, right? Each generation um, has their own preference and expectations when it's coming to completing job responsibilities. For, for instance, generation Xers, baby boomers, and members of the silent generation may be uh, more differential on the, the authority than the late born counterparts. So maybe like, I feel like for me, this is this, I got this article, by the way, um, I'm going to share the website, but I feel like for me, just because I have experience working with different generations, um, I think it can be misunderstanding, but I think that's because just of communication and how you communicate, right? So I think it all comes back to me communication. Um, I think how you may greet someone from the baby boom generation versus how you may greet someone from, G, from a GZ or a millennial. I think also if I send this fancy email with all these links and metrics and graphs and stuff, instead of just walking down the hall and telling the person what I, what I need or what I want, I think that makes a difference. I feel like if I send like, does that make sense? Yes. And I'm not saying you're wrong. I know it keeps sounding like that and I'm not, but I do think that we've got to dive now further into this because this isn't just a generational thing. This is a personality thing too. So yeah, okay. definitely broadly speaking, this I, you, you're making a lot of sense and, and these are true things. And I've studied them in, in different capacities and different jobs that there are generational differences and you're right, I can't. <laughs> like, I, I had a job once when I first moved home and I was working from, I had a home office. I was working from home 
and I called a local organization and I cannot remember what we were trying to transmit to one another, but I wanted to just email it to her. And she said, well, don't you have a fax machine? What kind of business doesn't have a fax machine? I was like, well, lady, it's 2014. (laughs) So that's a good example. And she was offended probably too. (laughs) Well, she was offended. Yeah. That I didn't have a fax machine. I was like, well, I can scan it and email it. If that'll work. Well, I guess that'll have to work. So so yes, you're right. These things are, these are real, real differences, but it is something I'd like for us to get even further into about like. Yeah, I definitely think it's a conversation. Yeah. Um, I also have some notes that says most for office communication. So for baby boomers, come see me or send me an email. They say, okay. Generation Xers, email me or call me. Millennials, text me or email me. Generation Z, come see me, video chat me. <laughs> No. <laughs> right? <laughs> Why? <laughs> so that's what I'm so that's so they're that's, getting back. So it's like coming full, full circle. They're getting back to that. They want that face-to-face interaction, just not really. <laughs> right. 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 <laughs> or or you're gonna video chat them. They may not be sitting in their desk. They may be out getting grabbing a coffee and talking to you from the phone and they don't see anything wrong with that. Right. You know, that's like, that's no big deal. Mm-hmm. Or um, I just, there's well, there, there's a few differences. They're right. It's not a big deal. They're accessible, aren't they? As opposed yeah. to me, the millennial, who's like, I'm getting coffee, leave me alone. Right. <laughs> Email you when I get back. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's true. <laughs> right? How does a multi-generational workplace affect companies and management styles? While there are no exceptions in every generation, knowing your employees' general framework or experience can help you understand their point of reference um, and state management policies appropriately. So I think it's always cool to have a great, diverse workplace. You can learn something from everyone, right? Mm -hmm. Because after a while, our boomers, they're retiring. And if they're not sharing information and you're not soaking all in, we're doomed. (laughs) It's the truth. My mom retired. My mom retired for like the first four months. The phone kept ringing. I was like, I thought you were done. They're like, we don't know anything. (laughs) You you know what I mean? Or we're taking the long way around to get something. Like, why did you do all that? Like, who needs a ducky sign? Walk down the hallway. It's three floors up. (laughs) Get your steps in, friends. (laughs) Right. If they broke, don't fix it. You know? (laughs) So that is just something to think about. Um, managing uh, across the generational lines and which I actually think will be pretty fun. I'm not going to lie to you. I think that's something that's pretty, pretty cool because it's always great to learn, to learn from other people, right? Yeah. 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 And Leslie, um, Leslie went to a session about this last week. I did. I did. Our human resource director, Lee Motzinger, she does a great job in presenting this and she's animated and she even also talks about like how what generations how we experience all different things like different pivotal times in mm-hmm. in history you know um for me uh 9-11 Columbine and Sandy Hook right those will be big things that I'll always remember um in the recession I will remember that as well first my mom will be civil rights movement like she lived it she was there she was you know she saw these people she saw these things that that's that's pivotal for her. Mm-hmm. So like different things. So I think it's really cool. And it was interesting to hear other people's 
um, big moments that they experience. Yeah. yeah. So, and how those, because those things shape us into the people that we are. Absolutely. All of our experiences make us who we are. So, yeah. absolutely. 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 So, there you have it. Okay. Right. What's next? Thanks, Leslie. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we're totally switching the tune here. Sometimes we keep things in line-ish, but today's episode is kind of all over the place, and I can tell y'all a lot of that is because I'm kind of all over the place because I've been bitten by the bug, and I have right now COVID. What? I can't believe it. Dum dum dum. <laughs> it's real people. It's real. real life stuff here. Obviously, we knew it was real, but yeah. I don't know. I've been thinking all along. I've been thinking, I'm gonna avoid this. I'm careful. I do all the things right. I'm vaccinated. I'm boosted. I'm blah 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 blah. But I've been just like everybody else, slowly letting my guard down. I I don't always wear a mask when I should. I've been in bigger crowds. And been with people that I'm not always around and I admittedly might not always have on a mask during those times because I've just, you know, we're all living this where we're just over it. And some of us are more serious and careful than others because every time I see Leslie, that smart girl has her mask on because she does things right. But Carrie has just let some things go and I have now set uh, facing consequences. So even here's the thing. Here's where I've decided this is where I got it. I, I ate some snacks last week off of a buffet line. And y'all know I said I'm not eating off the buffet. And sure enough, here I am this week, sick. So I'll never do it again. So I'm sick, right? And I, it sounds like to y'all, or y'all probably think, you sound sick, you sound fine. This is weird. This is a different sick. Um, that what I'm experiencing, right? Everyone experiences COVID differently, but what I'm experiencing is, is just different. So um, my symptoms started late Monday night. I didn't feel terrible. I just felt a little funny. I was a little achy. I had a, when I was describing it to the doctor, I had this cough that it sounded like I was making fun of myself coughing, like, <laughs> you know, like when you make fun of people, they're like, <laughs> I hear, I hear it starts with like a cough, but it wasn't I a hear real it. one. It was just, yeah. <laughs> it's silly. Um, and I'm, I'm just a little fuzzy, right? Um, Mm -hmm. so I went to bed, assuming it was exhaustion from some different things I've been dealing with over the weekend, but then I woke up Tuesday and I felt the same. So I went ahead and took a test and sure enough, it was positive. So now I'm working at home with my two-year-old who cannot go to school, obviously, because he's with me. Um, he's tested negative. My everyone, everyone in my family has tested negative. Um, and then since Wells is vaccinated, so school says he stays in school, he just has to wear a mask while he's there. And we're staying away. I'm isolated from mm-hmm. them as, as best as possible. We're basically in separate sides of the house. Sometimes I walk through, but aware, yeah. you know, like the, the N95 and yeah, don't touch them or anything that they're going to touch. So, um, except for Alan, but anyway, that Alan, he's not scared of nothing. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's not. <laughs> But anyway, so thankfully, this variant um, has been milder for most people, and I'm experiencing minor-ish symptoms, which I attribute to the fact that it's a 
weaker variant, but also because I'm, like I said, I'm vaccinated and I'm boosted and everything we've read says that if you are those things, if you, you will, you are still able to contract these newer variants, but they will be weaker, which is, you know, one of the benefits of, right. um, but so yesterday morning, I thought it's a beautiful day. I really want to go ride my bicycle. I'm tired of sitting here. I'm anxious to move. I'm feeling well, I just I, for my mental health, for my physical health, I really want to go ride my bicycle. Um, so I seriously considered making plans to go ride my bike because, I, you know, that's a safe exercise. I wouldn't be around anyone. I'd take a mask just in case I did run into anyone, but I shouldn't because I'm on the road. Um, right. But then, Leslie, I hung up some shirts in my closet and I had to lay down. <laughs> so, so you're feeling like I'm feeling shortness of breath. Well, I feel this, my exhaustion chest is a little tight and I'm tired, but I feel good. Like I feel normal. Like I feel like I could do anything, but then when I do a couple of things, then I feel like your body's like, just kidding. Yeah. Just kidding. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so then, so then I've been wondering like, is, am I making this up? Am I making Mm -hmm. myself think that I feel worse than I do? Because again, I feel fine. I just feel kind of weird. So I feel like I'm just sitting here in isolation and there's nothing wrong with me. And I feel like my family probably thinks that too. I feel like they're like, she's in there, you know, recording a podcast right now. She's fine. There's nothing wrong with this. Why is she in there? <laughs> <laughs> but then, so I had a Zoom meeting this morning and I was dizzy afterward. It was 30 minutes and I was oh, wow. and disoriented and needed to lay down. <laughs> I'm probably gonna have to lay down after this. It's silly. okay. So anyway, all these things have made me think, well, maybe it's not me. Maybe it's real. Or maybe it is you. What's the best thing to do? Look Mm -hmm. it up. So I thought (laughs) I'd do a little research and share it with y'all in case you're in the same predicament. But I found an article from Stylist Magazine. um, And from a quick search, it appears that um, Stylist is a UK publication that's kind of similar to Self Magazine, which I um, reference a lot. So I felt like this was for for right now um so this article is called should you exercise with asymptomatic coronavirus what the experts say about home workouts with omicron so this is recent this article quotes jody breach a national physiotherapy lead from um, i think this is nuffield health's covid rehabilitation program and um they say that There is research that shows exercise makes symptoms worse in symptomatic COVID. However, we do not really know if it is safe to exercise when the virus is asymptomatic. Okay, pause. Okay. When COVID first came out, people were saying, you know, move around, take a walk around the house if you can, you know, do a little light exercise to keep your airway open. Uh Huh? Did you you remember hearing that? Uh Uh-huh. are we saying now that maybe that's not the best thing? No, I'm not there yet, Leslie. Okay. Okay. <laughs> no, no okay. Say that. okay. We're talking about Carrie going and riding her bike, or if you're a runner and you regularly run, going out and running three miles, right? If this is okay. what you normally do, but now you've contracted COVID and okay. you, feel, you feel okay. 
should you be doing that? Should you be riding uh, okay. vigorously? Should you be running? Should you be going okay. to a CrossFit workout or whatever? This is what we're talking about right now. Okay. So she says, theoretically, exercising with asymptomatic COVID may actually induce symptoms and make you feel worse and take longer to recover. So this really makes sense if you think about it, right? Your body is under stress because it's fighting COVID. Yeah. So yes. even, even if you don't feel anything, just because you aren't feeling it doesn't mean your body isn't in there, you know, kicking butt, taking names. Mm -hmm. It's working. Right. Um, so while your immune system is working overtime, this source recommends that you do yourself a favor and take a rest. Breach also brings up that up to 22% of COVID cases also experience acute cardiac injury and myocarditis which is an inflammation of the heart muscle caused by the immune system's response to infection. Now, I think that I'm understanding from an American College of Sports Medicine report that myocarditis is more likely to occur in those with more extreme COVID cases. So the people who are most likely um, not trying to decide whether it's safe to exercise because they don't feel like it, right? So mm. there's probably not a risk of people in lower, um, lower cases, but... Uh, it's just, I'm putting it out there. But uh, just as a warning, Breach says that adding cardiovascular strain isn't recommended for anyone with active virus in order to maintain cardiac health. It's just not really known yet. So it's better to be safe, right? Exercise, so she says, um, exercise has a number of health benefits, both for our physical and mental health. However, these need to be balanced with the risk of inducing other symptoms if exercising with COVID. Does that make sense? Yes. All right. Yes. So then, um, then I found Dr. Daniel Montero, a Mayo Clinic sports medicine physician, um, agrees with that sentiment. And he says that exercise is, right, we all know this, we say it all the time, exercise is medicine. Mm -hmm. He says so this is in general, not just with COVID, but just think about in general, if you have symptoms above the neck, so things like a runny nose, sneezing, um, common cold, or just like a nasal, nasal congestion or a minor, sorry, minor sore throat, you're okay to exercise. And that may even help you feel better by opening up your nasal passages, mm -hmm. but you may want to reduce the intensity and length of your workout and limit your group activities. But a Mayo Clinic recommends that you postpone exercise if you have symptoms below the neck, such as chest congestion, a hacking cough, and an upset stomach. And obviously, if you have a fever, it's best to give your body a few days um, to rest and recover because a fever is your body's way of telling you to slow down. And it's important to listen to your body. True. So you might be thinking, okay, but I don't feel anything below my neck. I, you know, some people experience COVID and they say, it was just like a cold. I just had a runny nose. That's the new hot thing that's out. It's just a cold. It's new variant. It's no big deal. It's a cold. And I don't think that's fair. No, because no matter what, no matter what you're feeling, COVID is a respiratory illness. Mm -hmm. So you may not feel it down there below. <laughs> just got dizzy. <laughs> You may not feel it. Exactly. Exactly. She's sitting still, it, people. It's down there. That's where, yeah. the, that's where the virus is. That's where your body's working. And all these other symptoms are just a part of this respiratory illness that you have. So mm -hmm. even if you don't feel it below your neck, the advice is don't exercise, take a break, right? Okay. Um, so if you've been diagnosed with COVID, don't exercise. 
Now, don't do strenuous exercise. So um, the American College of Sports Medicine says that at a minimum, individuals diagnosed with symptomatic COVID should rest 10 days and those who are asymptomatic should rest seven days. ACSM also indicates risk levels that need to be considered because a high risk, severe symptom patient obviously shouldn't fall under the same guidelines as a, a low risk, no symptom patient. So this is what they recommend um, for returning to exercise after your recovery. So individuals under the age of 50 who had an asymptomatic infection or mild respiratory symptoms that resolved within seven days and would like to resume recreational exercise are considered low risk. This group can follow a gradual return to exercise without further evaluation. Um, those with symptoms or fatigue that lasted more than seven days or have prolonged shortness of breath or chest pain that did not require hospitalization are deemed intermediate risk. And then high risk patients are defined as those who, are, who did require hospitalization or who experienced shortness of breath or chest pain at rest or while performing activities of daily living. Both intermediate and high risk patients should be evaluated with an EKG and a troponin test if experiencing chest pain, shortness of breath, or um, have the abnormal EKG. Ideally, they say a multidisciplinary team comprised of specialists in cardiology, pulmonology, and sports medicine will collaborate to create a personalized exercise prescription for these patients. Now, we're also talking about, this is the American College of Sports Medicine too, right? So okay. I think if we're talking about ideally in a world for it, people who are athletes or people who do do extreme exercise, you know, uh -huh. uh, high intense exercises regularly. Uh -huh. I don't think we necessarily, if all you do is not, if all you do, but if your regular workout routine is walking 15, 30 minutes a day, right. think that they're saying that you need to have a, a, a plan created by these three specialists, but you may, yes. based on your case, you may still need to have these, you know, the EKG and make sure you're safe to go. But, you know, your doctor will hopefully recommend what's best for you. You just need to check with your physician, right? Before you get back into any kind of exercise once you've gone through this illness, right? And with that being said, I wonder, I hope everyone is listening to our podcast because I can imagine people are, A, they don't have any symptoms and they feel fine and they're working at their highest peak because they feel fine. Yep. Or B, they're home and they're resting. And then after COVID, are they truly getting checked back out to say, hey, by the way, I bike six miles a day right. like am I okay to do this again or do they even know to think to ask you know right. hey is that okay yeah because it was you know perfectly I mean? normal before cause... now I'm better why would it not be normal now exactly right. yeah. and if that can cause complications later on or just say hey maybe you need to build back up to it or you know what I mean right mm -hmm. okay um ACSM also recommends that you so before you get started, you return to your normal daily routine and sleep patterns. And then once that's done, then you add your workout back in. They say that you should be able to do regular things easily and be able to walk just over a quarter of a mile, which is 500 meters on a flat surface without experiencing excessive fatigue or shortness of breath. And be real with yourself too, you know, because we all feel pain differently too. And we all feel shortness of breath breath differently so you may think oh this is nothing but to someone else it might actually I don't know just be just, mm -hmm. just pay really close attention to what your body's doing 
Um, let me see. Initial physical activity should consist of light exercise for 15 minutes. If post-COVID energy levels are achieved, activity time duration can be increased, followed by the resumption of bodyweight exercise, such as yoga or resistance training with sufficient rest. And then heavier resistance and sports-specific training can follow after that. If there's an occurrence of any red flag symptoms, such as chest pain, severe shortness of breath, or rapid or irregular heartbeat, you should be evaluated by your primary care provider um, and possibly refer to a cardiologist or pulmonologist. The COVID-19 infection can affect the global population through multiple clinical symptoms varying from mild to severe. This is ACSM saying this. It is clear that a gradual approach to returning to physical activity mitigates risk. So okay. I can't ride my bike right now. I'm still in the midst of it. I'm not in my 10 days or seven. I'm, I'm right. symptomatic, so I'm not in my 10 days. I'm still in my 10 days. I can't ride my bike. <laughs> then, um, but then after that, maybe I can slowly. You just have to do things gradually. But now to your point earlier, Leslie, the fact that I can't go ride 10 miles on my bicycle doesn't mean that I'm allowed to just sit in bed all day long either. Right. So um, I have to move. That's yeah. for our health. And if we just lay here, it's not, it's not going to go well. Yeah. So light housework and laps around your isolation space are recommended. Um, mm -hmm. I even read a suggestion to try some low impact yoga and see mm. how your body feels doing that. Um, and then this weekend, uh, I get, I'm in the all clear Sunday, I think. So, but I can go out my yard as long as nobody comes up to me. <laughs> but okay. this weekend, I'm thinking about going out into my yard. I've got a lot of weeds that need to be pulled. So then I can't ride my bike. I'm not allowed to ride my bike yet. So that gives me all the reason to go pull the weeds in my garden instead. Right. So, so I agree. <laughs> that's just like some people during quarantine of the pandemic, they're like, what did you do? I painted the kitchen. I painted the hallway. Like, <laughs> Got a lot. You find something to do. Yeah. So just like I said, just be sure to pay close attention to what your body is telling you and do not overdo it. And if you don't feel anything, just stick with low impact stuff anyway to keep yourself safe and keep your family happy. Okay. All right. Sounds good. I'm glad you shared this. I think this is very relevant to what's going on right now. And a lot of people are experiencing this variant and they're thinking, oh, I'm fine. I don't feel a thing, you know, and they're not still taking it a bit serious um, that your body is still working, even though you have outside symptoms. Yeah, your body's in overload. Like yeah. you need to take that in consideration. And even though you feel fine, relax, get on the couch, find a Netflix uh, series. In between the transition to the next episode, do a few arm <laughs> stretches or walk yeah. around in a circle, lay back down. <laughs> yeah. Yesterday, Leslie, I watched all three of the, I love that series um, to all the boys I've loved before. Do you know that Netflix, there's three little rom-com, they're like teenage rom-com movies. Oh. This girl that wrote these love notes. It's a book series, but then Netflix made it a movie series. Oh. It's so good. And I watched all three of them in a row yesterday. It was so nice. I mean, not in a row, I took breaks, but still I got right. all in. <laughs> no, the only thing I watched recently on Netflix is Koba Kai. Which is actually pretty good. Yeah, I did I, the other day. <laughs> some kids told me about it. And I was like, what are you talking about? And I was like, oh my God, this is actually really good. Like I watched all the it wasn't bad at all. So great. 
Awesome. All right, so our last topic, I saw this on social media and it made me think, and I know because we're millennials, you know, we use our phone and we see social media and stuff, TikToks and Instagram. It was a food hack, 13 amazing food hacks. Now I didn't take all 13 because some of them I was like, mm, I don't know about, but I'm sorry, 16 amazing food hacks. I didn't take all 16 because I wasn't sure about it. Because but I, let's put that out there. Very often there are things on social media that just are not true. Just are not true. Why you should call your local county extension agent to see. Absolutely. Absolutely. Absolute. You're going to find absolute. some canning advice on social media. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't take that. I wouldn't take that. <laughs> I wouldn't take that. But let me tell you why this caught my attention because it's 16 food storage hacks. It's on BuzzFeed and tips and tricks, the hacks and stretching your groceries. So I saw this hack and I thought it was very interesting because it's giving you a few tips how to, to maintain um, some of the food you have and have it last a little longer, right? Maybe not like a whole week, but maybe like two or three days, right? It wouldn't hurt. And Carrie, last night I cooked French string beans from the can. And when I opened them up and poured them in the pot, I was very, after I drained them and washed them, of course. Thank you, yes. Uh, <laughs> I was extremely disappointed. It's like no food in the can. No, it has to be the same amount of food in the can. No, Carrie. You're just feeding more like, people now. It's only two of us. But Carrie, it was like nothing in there. So do you know what I had to do? Mm-mm. I thought, okay, this is green. I can add something to it. I added sweet peas to it and it was great the mixture tastes really good too mm-hmm. um and we were able to have two servings a piece of it because it was like okay it's enough but literally having to add something so i would i thought aha this will be a good food stretcher hack you know what i mean um using one can instead of buying five cans of one thing thinking oh i gotta feed the family look in your pantry see what whatever else you have in there that may be green or a vegetable and blend it together yeah. right there you have it so that's one hack um here's another one store lemons in the fridge not on the countertop i do that that's true i I agree with that also another one this is the opposite for your potatoes don't put those in the refrigerator or in the crisp bin leave those on the counter who puts potatoes in the refrigerator you'll be surprised Hmm. some people feel like if it's off the counter and the refrigerator is safe because nothing's going to get on it or it's not in the air. Some people really think that. So yes. Um, but as a little girl, I can remember my mom had one of those chain hanging baskets with the onions uh-huh. and the potatoes and stuff. I need one of those. What are those? Where, where can you find those at? Those are good stuff. Ikea, yeah. I think. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> had number two. storage. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Um, which very rarely you don't see in homes anymore. Yeah. So there you have it. Um storage uh food hack number two take cheese out of the plastic wrap it came in and put it like in a ziploc bag i don't know about that i it says instead of rewrapping um it's instead of rewrap it with parchment paper or cheese paper so it can breathe and last longer when cheese is wrapped in plastic it can't get intake oxygen okay Right. So is this can affect you the flavor and as breathe soon as you get it or you like once you've opened it up and then you I think as soon as you get it, you put it in something. I think as soon as you get it, take it out of that wrapper and put it in the parchment paper or cheese paper and go ahead and store it. So that way you can breathe. And it says, um, if you, if you leave it in the plastic wrap, it won't be able to get the oxygen, but also it can affect the flavor and breed bacteria. 
Okay. And this is my first time ever hearing about cheese paper. What about you? Oh, no, I know about cheesecloth, but I don't have any. But now I'm going to get some because it'll make me feel fancy to have my cheese stuck in the there you go. cheese bin. There you go. There you go. Okay. <laughs> there you go. Uh, hack number three, store refrigerated greens with a paper towel. I've seen this done a lot. The paper towel absorbs excess moisture, which keeps the greens from getting soggy over time and extends the life, the shelf life. So it'll be a dry paper towel. A dry one, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes, because I've seen people say, and I also saw on the site, do not rinse your vegetables off as soon as you get them. Rinse them off before you use them. Yes. Okay. A few things. Here's another interesting one. Freeze about to wilt herbs and olive oil so you remember while last season we talked about growing herbs yep. and sometimes you know after we pick them we may like leave them around or store them or put them somewhere but if they're getting ready to wilt or if they're on your plant and they're not looking too hot you want to pick them this says you can freeze them right i always um, wanted to do this and i never have really uh-huh i've seen this it my first time before i'm like interest and stuff and i've always thought that's such a great idea and then you got these little cubes of so it says um, you can freeze them and then use them and freeze them with olive oil, A, uh -huh. um, and then use them as ready-made recipe starters and dishes. So you do it um, in like a ice cube the ice thing, cube right? Tray. Yeah, mm -hmm. I can post the picture and stuff on the on our Facebook page. Yeah, you're going to freeze them in ice cube trays and um, you can put them in starter dishes as the oil as the first step. So you put that in there first and let that thaw and your herbs are in there, I guess. And then you have like, you could do that with stews uh soups or roasts pretty interesting huh mm-hmm okay I see your mind going Carrie you're thinking about stuff over there I can see well it. I'm just thinking about how you want to make sure if you do that that you don't add it as extra like don't start the recipe with say it costs for two tablespoons of olive oil and then you get the recipe going and then you add this cube of however much olive oil that is and more herbs because then you're adding too much fat to your recipe well can we can we thaw that can we thaw it out can we thaw it out before and then drain it out and take our herbs out and go for it oh i think you could use that olive oil just i, yeah, I just don't want you to start with i don't want you to i'm thinking about me in a kitchen and you get a recipe started and you go oh i've got those herbs in the freezer but i've already added this olive oil you know and i just don't even think about it. well i'll just add it in too and then i've just added Extra so instead, extra just use the cube, a cube as your olive oil. Yes, just make sure that you, you. Have to do that. Yeah, I got you. I got you. I got you. I got you. Just don't you. add too much fat. I got you. And though um, olive oil is a healthy fat, we still don't want to add too much of that either. Right. right. Yeah. Um, and I have another one: store natural nut butter upside down to prevent separation. I went to a really cool peanut um, uh, training in winter school. And we talked about the benefits of peanut butter and stuff that we'll talk about later on the show. But um, they, we talked about how people use natural peanut butter and some people like it, some people don't, but they're like, oh, the separation and the stirring and all that. Um, but this is saying to prevent that, just put it upside down. And sometimes even if you have regular peanut butter, like Peter Pan or Jif, and you don't use it that often, once you open it up, you can see the oil and stuff in there. You have to stir it up a bit to get it going. So maybe this would be great for all. Let's just separate the other way. It says upside down. Let's see. Okay. I'm just giving, not to no, say, yeah, yeah, yeah. store natural nut, nut butters upside down to prevent separation. Because if it's, now, by doing maybe this, I'm being all, silly, but if I'm start, if I've started up and it's all together, and then I say, okay, well, I don't want this to separate like it normally does. So I'm going to flip the container upside down. Wouldn't it still separate? 
No. Let's and try and see. It says, it says, by doing this, the oil naturally collects on the top instead work and the oil naturally collects on the top will instead work its way to the bottom and you can avoid having to reblend later. Okay. Maybe. This is science. Yeah, it's all an experiment. We don't, we're just saying, <laughs> trying to let us know. Uh, <laughs> and here's another cool one. Uh, store herbs upright in fresh water. So if you like a container, uh, put some water at the bottom, put the herbs in the container standing up, maybe like a cup or so. And then they put a plastic bag over it too. Do you do that? I don't do that. Maybe I will. It probably would help. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I guess that bag will help with wilting maybe. Yeah. It says if you have the counter space, this is the best way to ensure maximum uh, extensive freshness. So there's a thought. I don't know. Um, where's another one? Uh, and the last hack that I saw, don't wash your produce until it's time to eat it. And I can get that. Maybe. Well, yeah. Because usually if you get fresh produce, you're going to eat it within the first, hopefully, that 24 or 72 hours, maybe. Um, all depending what it is. What it is. Yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking if you wash a cucumber, a zucchini, or a squash, and you're using your scrub brush on it, then you're likely to, you know, cut into the skin. Mm-hmm. And then that might open it up for more quick deterioration, right? Because you've you've yes. gotten into it a little bit. So, yes. Now, I saw this hack um, that I'm about to tell you guys on Instagram, and I have not found anywhere or anyone to back it up. So don't quote me. Oh, I just saw it. Okay. So it says the best way to store bananas to take your banana. Um, what do you call it? I guess like the sack or like the whole, like your ban- your bananas and wrap the top of it, the bunch, I guess so. And uh, wrap the top of it with saran wrap. Hmm. Just like that core part on top. Wrap it with saran wrap and let it sit on your, your counter. They say it lasts longer. Really? Yes. Well, I'm going to try that. Yes. Um, they say it, it's an, it was an ongoing joke on Instagram. That's where I saw it, but they said it, it works. Um, doesn't seem like they're the green ones at the moment. It, it will prevent it from being brown and mushy so quickly. So I guess from that freshness or, I don't know. Leslie, speaking of just random things that you learn on TikTok or Facebook uh-huh. or Instagram, whatever, I've been, I've seen over and over the way you're really supposed to eat a pineapple have you seen that no like you know i'm constantly slicing and cutting yeah and yeah yeah, yeah. And whatever and i keep seeing this thing where you you like bang it on the table you twist the top off you roll it to loosen it up and then you're supposed to be able to just pull the segments out now i don't know how they'd be making this a fake video i've seen it different people do it over and over so i have a pineapple in my kitchen and when it's ready which should be today or tomorrow. I'm going to try it. And I'm going to let you know if this actually- You should works. record yourself doing it and post it to the page. <laughs> I don't look so great. <laughs> <laughs> That's, I've never heard of that. That's interesting. I want to see that done. I'm going to try it. I've been thinking about it and I've bought a pineapple because we like pineapple in my family, but also because I just really wanted to try that. <laughs> well, back to what we said earlier. It's amazing like how- over time, generations, you find different things, different hacks, little different, you know what I mean? Different things to do to 
store food, cut food, just different techniques. Does that mm. make sense? Mm-hmm. Just very interesting. Very, very interesting. Oh, oh yeah. And so to that point too, I'm sorry that I always do this to y'all, but to that point too, that's a very good uh, a, a generational lesson, Leslie, that yes. we have done things some, one, some ways in the past mm-hmm. that science has proven over time may not be the safest methods. And so just because it was the way it was done before doesn't always mean it's the best way to do mm. the safety of our neighbors and our families and our friends. If we're, uh, you know, mostly I'm talking about food preservation, but there are other yeah. things too. And so um, if you have any questions about any methods of how you learned how to do something or how you read it this way, but then you read this other way that said, that's not safe. Now, what's the truth? You can call us and we can talk yes. to you about it. Yes, that's why we're here. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out together. We'll let you know. Um, have you ever heard the story of um, the lady with the ham? And my professor told us this in college. A young lady was cooking a ham and she got the ham in the oven. She glazed it, put her pineapples on it. And she made her slits on it, right? Mm-hmm. Her daughter said, Mama, why are you doing that? She said, I don't know, because my mama did it. So she got to her mom the next day and said, Mama, why did you uh, always make slits in your ham? She said, I don't know, because my mama did it, right? Yeah. Well, that mama saw her other mama the next day and said, mama, why did you always make those slits in the ham? You know, the girls asked me why we, why you did that. She said, I don't know, because my mama did it. Yeah. Right? So it's right. literally just that simple. <laughs> it's that simple. So <laughs> makes you think, right? Like, yeah. Nobody knows why they do it. Nobody knows why they do it. Right. We just do it. That's just how we do it. So now, there's nothing unsafe about cutting slits in your hand. <laughs> just be careful. With no. Your <laughs> yeah. But you're supposed to do that like in cut and cut inside around it too, to let the salt drain out a little bit or let it breathe. That's what I was told. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, well, my mama said it. See? That's how it goes. Too. Like he had to cut around it. I don't know. I don't know. So dang. Just, just saying it. Well, Carrie, that's our topic for today. What do you think? This is great. This is a this was fun. Thank you, Liz. It was enlightening. It was very enlightening, and I hope it was helpful too. For sure. Me too. I hope y'all paid attention to everything we said. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely, absolutely. So, if you have any questions or comments, or uh, go to our Facebook page, please leave a comment. Let us know, Um, and we go from there. Hey, if you guys try any of the food storage hacks, try it. Take a picture and let us know how it works. And yeah. post it to our Facebook page. We'll love to know. All right. All right. Well, Carrie, I hope you feel better. Thanks, Leslie. <laughs> and I hope we can get on your bike soon. <laughs> well, I'll see you next time. All right. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Two Agents and the Facts. We will drop new episodes every second and fourth Monday of the month. Find us on your favorite podcast app and follow us on Facebook. The University of Georgia is an equal opportunity, affirmative action, veteran disability institution.